Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. You are now listening to Season 7 of the show. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Sam Dolce. Sam is an attorney and VP of Business Development and Marketing at Milestone, an innovator in post-settlement solutions. Milestone's pathway platform is making mass tort distribution more efficient for law firms. Sam received his Juris Doctor from the State University of New York Buffalo Law School. Prior to working at Milestone, Sam worked as a pro bono attorney at Debt Clinics. His dedication to public service brought him to Milestone, where his focus is on proving civil justice for the plaintiff. Sam is an expert in streamlining post-settlement processes and is passionate about justice for survivors. In 2012 and 2023, Sam was elected to the National Trial Lawyers Top 40 Under 40 in the state of New York. So, a very big warm welcome, Sam. Thanks, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here. This is really exciting. And before we go through all your, all your amazing projects and experiences, we have a customary icebreaker question here on the Legally Speaking podcast, which is, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very real, what would you rate the hit TV series Suits in terms of its reality of the law if you've seen oh, it? Oh, oh, I mean, 11, obviously. No, I'm, I, think, <laughs> uh, I think there's elements of it that are actually pretty accurate, especially when you're talking about the mass tort world. So like, we work around yeah. a very specific type of the law. And one of the things we really get on that is that they do a really good job of I think is the the personalities like the idea that attorneys are people i feel like a lot of the times in tv shows it's always just like this like brooding individual and not someone who's like obsessed with their cat and then when you get into this like fast horror world and you meet all these individual people and their eccentricities it's kind of like heartwarming in that respect one of the things they totally miss on the show is a lot of the detail-oriented work that goes into being an attorney as someone who works around administration of large mass torts, they they totally miss that. Like the idea of, you know, trying to figure out what how we're going to process 10,000 people through a very complicated court system. I mean, it's not necessarily for the faint of heart. And they definitely depict the late nights that are involved in doing this work, but they don't necessarily depict some of that more detail-oriented, maybe less glamorous I found the missing document sort of moments that seem to occur every episode. So with that, what number would you give it, which is a very good justification, whatever number you choose, given your your outlines there? I would give like a four, even a four. A four. Okay. I think you give... I, th- I think it's an, oh, it's an okay. I've, I, I've met Harvey Specter. I There wasn't his name, but I've met that guy like 10 times. Okay. That's just being a, you know, like you, who has the personal driver and all that. Perfect. Well, Gabriel is a legend. Yeah, no, I like that. Okay, well, let's go on to talk a little bit more about, about you, Sam. Would you mind telling our listeners a bit more about your background and uh, career journey? Sure. I always knew I was going to be doing some sort of work like that, right? So my dad was a prominent trial attorney. My mother is a PhD in disability study. So I was always going to be working on a way to help injured people. I started my career. I worked at a you know, typical personal injury firm, my caseload and call and haggling with insurance adjusters. And anyone who does that type of work will immediately know where the type of place I work. And honestly, I didn't really feel that inspired by it. I didn't feel like I was making much of a difference. I was approached by the founder of Milestone and he sort of presented this idea that, you know, we could impact how billions of dollars move every year 
and how people are actually able to interact with them. And so we sort of started with this concept. You can do settlement planning on an individual level with one person, but no one's really ever attempted to do that on a mass level. And so our company developed this technology so that you know, no matter how many people are settling a case, we're able to make sure that they get individualized care. Because a lot of the time, the money that people receive from these large mass torts, it'll be the you know, largest amount of money that family will see in generations. And what happens with that money is significant. And so we need to be better as an industry. We can't just be mailing out checks. And so our company started developing the technology to meet that need. Um, so within my own career, I mean, I saw it from a very early age of there needs to be something more here, just growing up in that law firm environment. And then upon graduating law school and working as an attorney, I saw, you know, there's a real need. And so that's sort of how my path led me into this work. But if you would have told me upon leaving law school that I was going to be working in a settlement administration company, I would have looked at you like you're crazy, really proud of the work we're able to do. And I honestly think that, you know, we make it, I know we make a difference in thousands of people's lives because I get the letters, right? And it's, it's uplifting. No, absolutely. And it's amazing work that you're you're doing at the company, that's for sure. In terms of some of our listeners who may be less familiar, can you tell us a little bit more about what mass tort administration actually is? Certainly. So I know there's attorneys of all sorts and even people who aren't attorneys who listen to the show. So just to give a little bit of an outline, 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, there's the mass production of all sorts of instruments. There's the beginning of the environmentalism movement. I mean, I'm from Western New York, so I really think of Love Kinnick, right? Where, uh, which, if you follow uh, American history, is one of our big environmental disasters. Poison entire neighborhood with chemical, you know, dumpings from multiple, multiple corporate entities. And so the legal system needed a way to be able to treat these mass wrongs. And so you couldn't bring all these lawsuits as single lawsuits. And they also don't work in the class action context because each individual case is its own facts, right? Everyone's impacted differently. And so what do you do? And that's really the origins. And this is a very, very macro historical lens, but that's the origins of what we call the JPML, which is the home of multi-district litigation, where you can bring tens of thousands of lawsuits, but it's seen by a single court. They do bellwethers where they test a few of the cases, and then they reach a mass settlement with all of the different claims. And these are typically known by everyone in the United States and Britain, um, all around the world, right? These are all known under the headlines that we see, right? J&J settles this case for billions of dollars. Um, 3M settles this case for billions of dollars. How does that actually work? And that's what our company so on the back end of those cases, someone needs to figure out who's getting what, how they're getting the money, and when they get the money, what's going to happen. And for the longest of time, it was done the same way they've done things in the class action industry, where they get everyone's names in a registry and they just start mailing checks. You can imagine a lot of these setups are done through organizations with technology from the mid nineties, you know, we're talking like emailing Excel spreadsheets around and, you know, stuffing envelopes. And, you know, most of the companies that we compete with have very, very large mail. And we came into the space, um, sort of with the hope to, you know, for lack of a better term, disrupt that, um, the idea that, you know, we can turn this into a digital medium, 
we can we have we produce like real style animated videos to sort of explain to people the different financial benefits that could occur you know give them resources they can call and making it all mobile friendly because most of the people that interact with these types of lawsuits you know they'll have access to the internet and they likely will have a smartphone and so if we can do that with you know 70 80 percent of the people involved in lawsuits then the other 10 to 20 percent you can really have more of an individualized effort Right. And you can actually reach them. Also, we can provide things for the unbanked and underbanked. There's all sorts of financial justice issues like in the balance here. But the basic idea here is you have these large corporate powers producing large catastrophic harms and they're being reached through civil settlement. What happens with all those dollars afterwards? That's what our company. Yeah. And it's, it's really, really important work that you're doing as well. And, you know, obviously we're we're partnering with Clio and, you know, really legal tech to utilize for good is absolutely something I, I support in terms of transforming the legal experience for all, which is obviously Clio's mission and one that we, we absolutely support. And this is obviously a great example of some leading technology that's, that's doing good, right? So I want to talk a bit more about... Yeah, just to build on that for really quickly. I mean, this whole legal process for the actual individual going through it produces its own traumas. Like it's terrible, right? Like you're, yeah. you're, you're dying of cancer and yada, yada, yada. And like, Tools like Clio, right, which help produce better communication with the client, better document management. They don't have to tell their story 10 times because there's already a timeline built into the case file, right? How can we actually build those same sort of technologies into the disbursements? And so, like, yeah. I would say companies like Clio have helped inspire the creation of companies like Clio. Yeah. really meet it on that next level. Absolutely. And I want to talk about tech, not to get enormously techy, but it's important because you've touched on it, but you know, it's good for people to get an understanding because it's the world we're moving into and people need to be educated on this. You know, you have a leading technology platform that's digitizing the mass talk, the post-settlement process. So, you know, talk us through how it, it, it works. How does the pathway platform work? So I'll, I'll explain from the, the, the UX perspective, right? So that, yes. that, that's the user yeah. experience. What it looks like is I'm going to use an actual real case. A case resolving right now is Juul. So that's um, the the e-cigarettes, right? But 8,500 people involved. We're working with a number of the law firms in that litigation. I'm not going to say specific. In that resolution, the vast majority of those people between the ages of 18 and 20, that means they're likely in school. Um, that means they're likely experiencing different forms of benefits from the government. So if for school, for example, they fill out their FAFSA, they might get Pell Grants. This is the United States programs, but it's pretty much student aid. It helps you pay for college. If you receive $100,000 and it sits in your bank account, that, that's an asset, right? And so that would impact the benefits negatively. What our technology does is when those people resolve their settlement, they are, if they're, the firm they're working with is working with us, all those people receive a text message. They'll also receive an email. They'll be able to click on that email link It'll provide them with a link. They click it. They'll go to a form and it'll be a, a DocuSign. We're all familiar with DocuSign technology at this point where they can list all the different expenses, everything that's happened in their settlement, whether or not they agree to that settlement amount. This is the amount they've already discussed with their attorney. It's more so for data collection. They sign that. We save the form. We keep it provided to the law firm, their case management software. It's a Clio. And that, then it's their part of their record. Great. That was solved. Took 30 seconds. From there, they then go into watch reels. And I, I, I call them reels because that's just, you know, it's not the technical name. They're just videos. But we're all sort of familiar with TikTok and real technology. And so 
that's what we sort of emulate our yeah. off of, right? 30 seconds, a minute, maybe a minute 30, basic, hey, if you have student aid, you might lose those benefits. If you're worried about that, click here. They click there, they go into a scheduling. They get to see the different settlement planners they can work with. They can pick one, select a time. All of a sudden that pops up as a Zoom calendar for them. At that point, their distribution process is paused until they talk to the fiduciary they need. They meet with that fiduciary, they build a financial plan, they move on from there. If they watch that video and they don't need to do it, they press a big button that says skip, they get a waiver page, are you sure you want to skip this? They press skip, they go, and then they choose, do they want a, a Zelle, a PayPal, a Venmo, a, you know, whatever digital payment platform is popular. And we're able to do that, different payment platforms in different countries. And so just by adding to have this technology, the whole user experience usually takes it's approximately three to five minutes for someone to move through this whole process. And if you think about it, we used to do that through the mail. So that process used to take yeah. two to three months at least. And so you're talking about, you know, a shortening of timeline to help get the money out the door much, much faster. And you're also talking about a higher level of care, like a higher standard for the actual payment experience. So the technology perspective, like the UX is relatively simple. It, you know, they get a text message, they click a few buttons, they sign, they watch a video, they go, eh, yeah, I need that, or I don't need that. And then they choose how they get paid. Yes, that's, that's brilliant. You know, and I'm just such a big fan of this because, you know, technology for good, you know, that's obviously a speed and process and efficiency. And like you say, more secure um, process. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Sorry, the old process, you just told them what your address was and they mailed out a check blind hope that it got there it's a lot more secure this way sorry yeah exactly there is a lot more security around it and with encryption and everything else that go with it but look you make it sound super easy it's not and there's challenges and there's things you have to go along to get there and i think it's very important people understand the hard work that's been put in before them what have been some of the challenges you've encountered with pathway and how have you been able if anyone is ever thinking about building a tech platform which a lot of people do and a lot of people approach me because we've had a lot of success and we've grown a lot so i'll have you know friends neighbors people on linkedin they'll probably say like what is your best piece of advice sort of thing and it's due to directly on these challenges right like start really small. And I give a world of credit to a number of the attorneys that we started with very early, like years and years ago, who helped us sort of develop this concept and, and allowed us to work with their firm to really do that. I mean, like Pathway didn't just happen overnight. There were a lot of, you know, 10 person multi-party settlements where, hey, we're thinking about testing this. Can we do that? And then doing that and then improving it every time. At this point, I mean, in the next quarter, we'll be sending out tens of thousands of payments. That didn't just happen. I mean, there were so many little bumps and bruises along the way. Um, one of the case examples I'll give is very early on, we used to get caught in spam blockers a lot, and we didn't really know how to fix that. Um, so for example, you're sending out payments to a ton of school districts. You send out emails to all those school districts saying, hey, you're going to receive payment gets caught in the spam filter. Um, so how do you address that? How do you, you know, build up your own credibility as a distribution engine to not get caught in spam? That in itself was a whole project for a year and a half. And so there's there's parts of this that you don't even see coming that eventually do come. And there's only one way to really figure that out. And that's sort of by doing these sort of test projects or 
beta testing is really necessary. I'm, I'm really excited because at this point, I'm, we're pretty much the only ones who are able to offer this sort of like comprehensive platform. And I'm watching a lot of our competitors like trying to catch up. And I'm really worried they're not doing that beta testing. And like, that's something I always like, whenever I talk to them, encourage them, hey, this is what you have to do. I mean, especially because there's so much need for this type of technology in the space that not one company can do it all. So I'm kind of hoping, I think it's just going to become the norm where on every mass tour class action settlement will be a digital payment, you know, moving forward, at least in the next five, 10. No, I, I absolutely agree. You know, it's the way we're, we're moving. You've given some good examples, but I think it's important also, you know, we, we talk about this in a bit more depth, you know, because as a service provider, what steps is Milestone taking to ensure the integration of technology in the legal industry is balanced with ethical and privacy concerns? It's a really good question. I mean, especially, I don't know if you're aware of the conversation around mass torts right now, but the advertisers are getting a lot of trouble, uh, TCPA violation. One of the things we have to our advantage is we are actually, we established qualified settlement fund. We listed as trustee and fund administrator, and we are sort of working, I mean, within the context of some states' laws, we're working as an agent for the law. And so we're able to interact directly with them. As far as their personal information and things like that, it's paramount. Protecting that sort of information, using encryption. We work around a lot of settlements regarding survivors. We may not even receive their real names. We might be working off of initials because it's just, it's such sensitive information. And if you're dealing with, you know, a group of clients that's thousands of people, you might have someone who's a public figure. You might have someone who's a, who, right, who's a survivor and isn't out about that experience and doesn't want to be out by that experience. And so how do we preserve that data? And so a lot of the times we'll be doing initialing and we'll do other sorts of forms of encryption. I don't want to go too deep into it, but it's it's uh, there has to be levels of security around every every term. No, and I, I appreciate that you, you know, are doing a lot of work with that and, you know, taking that extremely seriously because, you know, we can get all very excited about these things, but you're not sort of, you know, forgetting the the absolute importance of, of, of these um, privacy and concerns. We can't do a show without saying the buzzword of the year, which of course is AI. How do you see the role of AI and automation evolving in the legal field, especially? So for the legal field, generally, there's so much. I'll talk specifically about mass tort administration, uh, just because, you know, I could go on this for hours. There, <laughs> within our platform, there's all sorts of uh, automation that's necessary, right? Like you can't, you can't do this on a mass scale without having a high degree of automation. Um, and I mean, AI is such a big, broad category of different things that function, but within our process, I would say the most sort of like smart technology we have, AI technology we have is that automation process. So the idea of you're, you know, you're in that data art set where you're combining all these different fields, worlds, and then you're just building it. Like all of a sudden 10,000 statements are created like, and that's being done through a computer that's much, much smarter than myself. I think a lot of this is also having to do with allocations. So uh, that's when you determine who gets how much money and you're reviewing medical records. Those medical record summaries, now more often, those allocations can be produced in summary reports by artificial intelligence. So you can scan like millions of pages of documents, have it summarized into a 10-page report. And so the, the court-appointed neutral who's reviewing all of that can just review the report. They don't have to review 10, you know, 10 million documents. And so like those sorts of technologies are making our side of the business happen much faster. 
as you can imagine, reading 10 million documents takes a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Mass towards generally, I'm really curious to see how that infect, uh, impacts the defense bar. Um, specifically, a lot of, you know, I went to uh, I went to City University of New York for law school, right? A lot of my friends immediately went and worked at big firms in New York. A lot of their first jobs are, you know, for lack of a better phrase, you're chained to a desk and doing doc review, right? You're just like a billing machine. What are those rules going to look like in the future if AI is able to review those documents faster? And then you're just there to review that work. Um, if that if those hours are greatly reduced, how does that impact the business for those large defense firms that have whole rooms of young associates who are just building document problems? That to me is going to be a really big question in this space. So there, there's all sorts of ways that AI sort of impacting this. On the administration side, it's a lot of a lot for good. Um, you're talking about the ability to use this technology to limit the amount of people work that has to be done so the distribution process happens that much faster. Yeah, this is incredible. And this is why I'm such a fan of it, right? Because the the speed and the ability to affect change in an industry with AI is like one of the greatest revolutions I think we're ever going to see. And that's why I think it's a super exciting time for the league world. So right now with that, with the allocation work, that that could be work, um, the the price of it is still, it's a little bit more expensive to use the AI than do it manually, but the computing power every year becomes less expensive. Like it used to be twice as expensive. That was like two years ago. Now it's pretty much the same price, but two years from now, it'll be half the cost. And then 10 years from now, it'll, you know, so they're just, they need to build up that sort of, there's some practical concerns to make sure that it works across, you know, every litigation. Um, but it's definitely getting and it, it's kind of cool to be, you know, um, be right here while it's all sort of happening. Uh, it's one of the things I never thought I'd get to do as an attorney is be on the cutting edge of anything. Like we work on precedent, um, but all of a sudden it's like, oh no, we get to build the future. It's kind of fun. Oh, it's, it's hugely fun. And I'm, I'm, I'm here for all of it and I'm excited for all of it. Um, again, just to go a bit deeper, you know, how does settlement planning and financial planning play in the pathway? It's a really good question. I mean, it's the main reason why I do it. I can't tell you how many families' living rooms I've sat in and sort of had to build that financial plan after a really traumatic experience. Um, and, yeah. you know, every mass tort is dealing with somebody who's really been through something. The money is never worth it. I think that's probably one of the biggest mischaracterizations of personal injury law, mass tort, class action, any of it is the money is never worth it. And these people have been through a lot. The financial planning element of this, a lot of it has to do with that benefit preservation conversation I had earlier. I would say even more of it has to do just with the real human implication. A lot of, well, I would say most people in the world are working hard for a paycheck. And that paycheck is usually a couple hundred, maybe a couple thousand dollars. All of a sudden, we have the responsibility of sending you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars. And if you just mail that check to somebody, that's not necessarily a good thing. That can actually be a destructive force in that person's life. And I, I, I've seen this like firsthand. Our responsibility to do, in my mind as attorneys, is to zealously advocate for somebody, but then also make sure that that zealous advocacy means something. And so when we're distributing that settlement money at the end, if you don't have a planning component to it, like what are you really doing? Um, you can... You know, you can hold a large corporate entity responsible and make them pay billions of dollars, 
but where does that billions of dollars go and how does it impact the people that were actually harmed? Like those are separate questions that our legal system isn't really perfectly constructed to answer. Um, and so that's sort of where companies like ours kind of come in is to sort of try to provide some answers. Like, yeah, if you're getting a hundred thousand dollars and you're a student and you're worried about your financial aid, you can talk to somebody, you can talk to them for a half hour and sort of build the financial plan and structure those funds so that it won't impact your financial aid. And then maybe when you graduate, you'll have some money to start your business, or maybe you'll have some money to pay a down payment on a house. Those are the types of conversations that we do. And I like to think like each person that we're able to contact to that intimate planning work with, like that's, that's one working family that's going to be a little bit financially better off than we did. And so there's, it's, it's a complex because it's one-on-one -on -one sort of conversations that need to happen thousands of times. Right. Um, but it's not like anyone is less important than another. And even if you're getting 30 grand, I mean, $30,000 to most people in the world is, you know, that's, that's life altering, maybe not life changing, but it's definitely life altering. Um, and so like, how, how do we approach that? And it's kind of shocking to me that for decades, the approach to that was, yeah, we'll mail them a check. Like this is, it's not good. It's not. And so like, that's what we're sort of there to answer. No, and I think it's a really robust answer. And it, again, it comes back to the, the Clio Cloud conference I was at earlier this year, where they're talking about the introduction of technology actually going to enable businesses, lead professionals, those within the industry to be more human focused. And like you're saying with that approach, you know, with all of this, you can build a more, you know, better relationship, more human connection, and ultimately leave clients happier. And that leads to my next my next question, which we, we've kind of been touching on. But um, what do you hope for clients to achieve from using Milestone? I mean, my, my real hope in, like, this has been the stated purpose for years now, is that everyone who's settling a personal injury case, whether it's a mass tort, whether it's part of a class action, that they all are able to have an individualized financial. Like I want to be able to develop, make it the standard. And maybe it's through milestone. Maybe one of our competitors figures it out better, faster than we do. I don't think that'll be the case, but I just want that to be the status quo, right? The status quo for five decades was mail, mail the check, you know, just get them out, get them out of here, mail it, right? I want the status quo for the next 50 years after our work here is done sort of thing to be, oh yeah, when you settle the case, of course, of course you would sit down with someone and plan your future. You wouldn't just get a check for 150 grand in the mail, right? Like it's sort of commonsensical, but that that's the goal here is to really yeah. leverage that technology to make sure that you know, working people are protected so that those, those corporate harms that happen to them, the money they receive because of it, not meaningless. It's not just like thrown away. It's not, I mean, I can, I have so many horror stories, you know, people who took it and went to the casino, people who took it and put it in the room, people who took it and, you know, their, their marriages are ruined, their families are ruined. Like I've worked with all these people. It's hard. Just getting money doesn't necessarily make it all better. No, exactly. And I think it's really well said. Um, your CEO, Amy, was, was quoted in Law Dragon as having said, at Milestone, we recognize that business thrives for all involved when it's treated as a relationship rather than a series of transactions. So, you know, what are your thoughts to, to that quote? 
Well, um, I adore Amy. She's my partner. She's amazing. Um, she's a great CEO. And I think she kind of hits the nail on that. I mean, when you're talking about when you're talking about anything in any business that's based upon the relationship that you build directly with your clients, um, and whether that's the law firms that we work with, right? And like, we make sure that their businesses are able to thrive because we take on a huge aspect of what their office is attempting to do, but not really able to focus on, right? They're predominantly focused on the litigation, win the case, right? After the case is resolved, they don't have time to do all this stuff. They have to go back and win the next case, right? And so like, that's really, there's a relationship there, a relationship of trust that we have to build with them over time. But then ultimately the relationship with the end client. One of the things I'm really proud of is like, if you go on our Google reviews, they're all five stars. And that doesn't matter whether they're lawyers we built those relationships with or individual clients, right? And that's really hard to do as a growing company. Because especially working with people who are experiencing trauma, right? And like, who have really been through it. A lot of those people, you know, some people would say are, um, at points can be irrational. Um, I would say they're rationally reacting to trauma, but you know, it's, there, it can be not always the easiest client base to work. Um, and still they know that, you know, we do those trauma-informed care training to ensure our staff are able to reach their need, able to communicate even through or across that trauma um, and make sure that, you know, they're going to have, they have something right to build off of. And uh, so I think really like her point of focusing in on the relationships, it's something that I don't think we oftentimes see in tech is the, still the emphasis on being a relationship business um, instead of, you know, normally it's just like build the latest, coolest thing and make it look sleek and fancy. Um, but it's something that has been really important to our, our business. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's evident in the success that you're, you're having. Um, I want to look forward with the next couple of questions before we look to, to, to close, you know, how do you envisage the future of mass tort administration considering it's ongoing advancement? It's a really good question. I think it'll be faster, really faster. I mean, there's people who have settled roundup cases two years ago and got the agency, um, cause they're doing this old school way of doing it. So I really think the timelines will be hugely condensed. The other part of this that I hope to see is I think it'll become more about the end user and less about more, for lack of a better phrase, just clearing a queue. Because um, right now, a lot of the times the feeling within the court system itself is we have so many cases, how are we going to, right? That's the question that's asked, how are we going to handle it? And what I'm hoping is we can advance this technology to the point where that's not the question. That's asked. The question that's asked is, how are these people going to be impacted? Because that that's really, you know, the reason why we're asking the first one is on necessity, right? It's, it's we don't have the current framework to meet this huge need. So how are we going to handle it? But if we can figure out how we handle it, we can build the technology to, so that that's not the question. It's how will these people be impacted? Um, that's, that's where we need to get. So that's my hope for the future of story administration. Yeah, and no, I absolutely love that. And we as a show fully, fully support that too. 
Um, okay, what plans do you have for Milestone sort of in the, in the near future? What can you uh, let us in on? Ooh, uh, do, do, do you want to be the first to know? A lot of this is not public. This isn't even, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to share. But I, I'm, I, I think I'm <laughs> Um Go for We're it. working. All right. Uh, at some point in 2024, it'll go live. We're kind of, again, it's important to test things slowly but surely, a little bit at a time. Um, but we, we will, like our future will show, there'll be a full client dashboard. Um, so every client and every mass tour that we work on, we'll be able to see everything that's going on with their case, how much money is coming, when it is coming, what their liens were, how the liens were being paid were, whether they're doing settlement planning, if they are doing settlement planning, where their structure is, where their trust is, all that will be in one little dashboard you can access. On. That's what we're building right now. Um, and that to me will be the real future. And my hope is that, you know, when we work on these bigger, more and more of these large mass torts, that that'll become the norm for the client experience. Like if you're resolving in a mass tort, you'll just be getting a text message. You get to click on the link and it'll show you everything that's going on in your case. You get a unique login and you can just go and check up on it. And if there's anyone listening who does mass tort administration, they will tell you that that sounds like some outlandish dream. And uh, once I show them how it works, they usually, this is not a lie. The administrators who do this work, they start crying. They're like, mm-hmm. like, what? It's it's beautiful. It's really, you know, we spend, you know, we miss a lot of kids soccer. And so when you figure out a way to do it properly, um, do it more efficiently, it means something. Well, you're passionate and I, I can feel the passion. And, you know, when you found a problem and you really want to be, you know, forever focused on the solution and, and getting better and having that passion driving through. There's undoubtedly why you're going to stay ahead and continue to do great things with Milestone. Undoubtedly as well, and finally, you would have inspired some people today. So what advice would you have for those looking to move into the mass tort industry? Oh, it's a good question. Talk to people who know. It's a it's a really, there's a lot of moving, money moving around, especially of late. There there's just a lot happening in mass torts. I mean, I've heard people use the phrase, it's the golden age of litigation, the golden age of mass torts happening right now because there's so many large lawsuits happening. If you're a young attorney and you're interested in this, um, in this world, I would I would start by reaching out to people who are experiencing. I, I welcome to reach out to me or do some research, reach out to anybody else. There's, there's so much happening here. And I mean, if you watch any Netflix documentary about, you know, the latest civil litigation project, whether that's, you know, the Ben Crump one, the um, Ann Andrews, uh, the opioid one, uh, there was just a recently one on Juul. I mean, there are lawyers who are making that work happen. There are people who are on the ground doing that work. And like, that's who we work with. That, that's the mass tort. So like, if you feel really passionate about being part of that you know, larger change, I mean, my role within it is minuscule, right? But I'm really proud of the fact that I play a role in sort of pulling those corporate entities accountable, even if my role is just paying people at the end, right? It's like, you're still a part of that. And there's a real sort of camaraderie around that that's built. So if you're really interested in this world, I'd start talking to people who are, you know, live it, breathe it, do it every day, you'll start to see that, you know, we're a pretty tight knit community and uh, we generally, I think we do an okay job looking after each other. 
no, I think you do a phenomenal job and you, you touched on it there, but more um, directly, um, where can our listeners learn more about your career or milestone? Where can they find out more if they want to get in touch? What's the best way to contact you? Shout out any social media or website links and we'll also share them with this episode for you too. So our general website is www.milestone7th.com, 7th, like the 7th Amendment, or, you know, those those American attorneys listening right to a <laughs> trial. Uh, you can also always reach me on, on, on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, it's LinkedIn backslash Sam Dolce. Um, yeah, I think those are probably the two easiest ways you can. I mean, my, my email is on there. Um, my email is on our website, too. Uh, we were generally available around. Um, this is such a niche space, um, but it's such an important. And so I'm, I'm really, really excited to be able to share it with you. Yeah. And we're grateful for you taking the time to share it with us. So thank you so much, Sam. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, uh, wishing you lots of continued success with Milestone and your career. But from now, from all of us, over and out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you like the content here, why not check out our world-leading content and collaboration hub, the Legally Speaking Club, over on Discord. Go to our website, www.legallyspeakingpodcast.com for the link to join our community there. Over and out.